Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Catherine Ingram. The following is excerpted from a session of Dharma Dialogues called The Brightness of Awareness. It was recorded in Los Angeles in 2016. to invite you this evening to simply experience the brightness of your awareness. Now, even as I say these words, it might have triggered some cluster of thoughts about why that isn't really possible. <laughs> or there's a whole backlog of issues that can float up. But notice also, I invite you, Notice the non-sticking nature of each of those thoughts and go back to experiencing the brightness of your own awareness. It's not a trick. It's nothing extra. You don't have to have any other kind of uh, program or instruction. Just relax into it, the brightness of your own awareness. very easy. And as I've been saying these weeks, it becomes more the habit. It's just more and more a habit, resting in the brightness of your own awareness. And thoughts do rumble through or float through. But rather than bouncing along on the thoughts, you're experiencing just this brightness. You could say it's the brightness of being. It's the, it's the experience of presence. I call it a passionate presence. And I've spoken a lot in these last few weeks about the many qualities that arise when you live in that kind of presence, when you live in that brightness of being. A lot of uh, advantages accrue for you without you having to strain for them. You just feel more at ease. You feel more generous. You feel more tenderness. You are more genuine, you have more joy, you feel wonder, and so on. But here's one more I haven't spoken about this series, and that is that for the people who care about you on their big list of worries, your name doesn't appear. Right? You give the gift of, of uh, non-anxiety to the people who care about you because they can sense that you're okay. They can sense, they'll, they, may ex- they may experience you as strong. That might be a word. They might experience you as as having a strong spirit, 
psychologically strong. And for people who perhaps are going through something difficult, maybe even just the thought of you is somehow a bit helpful. When you are living, when you are living in this ease of being, that's one of the many things that comes with it. You're not trying to do that, it just happens that way. Just as I, sometimes, when I'm in a difficult circumstance, sometimes I'll call to mind people that I consider spiritually, psychologically strong. I might sort of, for a moment, see through their awareness, and it's calming. So it's like your own presence becomes a gift to those in your life. And that kind of clarity, that kind of awareness is contagious. Now, it's not always contagious, but sometimes it's, it's quite contagious. I've often told this story, some of you have heard it, but some of you haven't. Um, Back in the early 90s, I was, I had a job, a little bit uncharacteristically, (laughs) had a job. It was a job I had created, I had raised money for, um, to, uh, it was the founding of this organization for unrepresented nations and peoples, people who are not represented in the UN. And it seemed like a really cool job, really great idea. The execution of it was driving me crazy. It was, I was very unhappy in this job. (laughs) Um, It looked good on paper, but the reality of it was super hard and frustrating. So I was in San Francisco uh, working uh, in an office that I had rented um, and I was pretty unhappy when one of my friends who had just come back from India and had just met uh, someone who I then later went to study with, Punjaji, one of my friends, his name is Howie, um, he came to have lunch with me. And he, just, he was just fresh back from from being with this particular teacher, whose teachings are exactly what I'm saying. There was no, there's no goal or no big program. And Howie was so light. It was almost like he was floating, and I was dragging a bunch of bricks down the street. But as the lunch wore on, I felt lighter and lighter and lighter. And he wasn't talking about, he wasn't talking Dharma. We were old Dharma friends. He, didn't, he, he knew better than to sort of give me some big lecture. We weren't specifically talking about 
anything so-called spiritual. We were just chatting. But his vibe, his energy, his sweetness of being, his lightness, his brightness of awareness was transmitting. And I floated back to this office. It was like a major transformation, and all we'd done was have lunch. Like that, sometimes your own deep ease, your, your easy presence is transmitting really loud and clear and maybe transmitting to someone whose light has gone a little dim, right? Whose candle's burning quite low. So I like to say that we who are so privileged as we are, we're so privileged, and we in this room are even further privileged because we have an interest in these matters. I like to say that it really is incumbent upon us to use this fantastic tool of your awareness, to use it for the good, for your own benefit, and it benefits everybody around you. So this just is a kind of uh, encouragement or invitation to just let this well up in you. Keep dialed into the channel, the quiet channel, the ease. Don't be seduced and distracted by the madness of mind. We all know it just goes on and on endlessly. You know, the mad stories of when you were 20 are different than the mad stories you're telling now. But, right, it's, it's all, like I've been saying, you know, it's mostly inconsequential. You can't even remember what the dramas were from years ago. You've got new dramas that have replaced them. But those are inconsequential too, ultimately. And yet this brightness of being, this was the gift that you have in being born and in being born in a lucky birth. The brightness of being might as well taste it. It's incumbent upon us. Taste it. Relax there. So how do you, <laughs> how do you uh, get this brightness of being? I mean, it's a great, sounds great. And well, it isn't really uh, anywhere to go to get it. Right. It's, it's really a, recogni- a recognition of something that is in fact quite familiar to you. And I would also propose it's actually the most familiar thing to you. It's that which is most familiar to you. So Punjaji used to say, it's more familiar than the sound of your name and nearer than your breath. So what is it that could be nearer than your breath but being itself? And I'm going to also direct you as a little exercise to... Uh, if you would, with memory, tell me how far back can you remember? 
I don't know, really. Maybe four. I don't know. About the age of four. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. And what is it you remember? Playing in the backyard. But do you remember? Do you remember being? Being. Yeah. Do you remember being? Just. We can go a little, a little older then. Let's go to six. Yeah. Do you remember being? Uh, Maybe maybe ten. I can remember being. Yeah. Being. I mean, that can you? I mean, I have my definition of being. I'm sure you do, also. (laughs) It's not, a tri- it's, it's not a trick question. I'm no, just, no, no, I know. Do you, do you remember that you were, that you were, even aside from whatever was happening, do you remember that you had cognition, that there was a, a, an awareness, a, a presence that you were experiencing as a living creature? Yes. Very simple. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm speaking about. Just that. We go along in uh, this development, this evolutionary development, of developing actually very strong egos. And egos come with lots of stories. I call it the me project. It's a long, endless project uh, about me. (laughs) And it comes with tremendous rumination. You know, um, but really what's happening, what's happening all the while, right? Little moments of beingness glimmer through, even with all the rumination, sometimes they slip in. Little moments of beingness, yeah, meaning? Maybe, well, meaning that moments that you actually re- are recognizing that it's just, you know, maybe you're standing in the shower and it's just the purity of being, right? Or you're looking at the ocean and you're forgetting the story for a minute, you get a break. Okay. Um, so I'm suggesting that you bump up the attention into that purity of just simply being, just like every other creature, right? If you need to, look at the other creatures. Watch a bird being. Watch a bird being on a tree. You know, sometimes I, I, I reflect on the fact that when birds are flying in formation, the bird at the top of the of the V, or at the bottom of the V rather, isn't sort of flying along thinking, I am so cool. <laughs> I am number one, right? No. And the bird at the back isn't thinking, oh, I'm always the last, right? There's no story. They're just being, right, in nature. I watch deer in my yard a lot where I live. I love watching them. It's such a It's such a transmission of being and of quiet, simple being, you know. So this is is my recommendation to start to let the awareness entrain in that simple taste without ideas, without religion, without concepts, without anything extra. Because the beingness is already going on. You don't have to create it thankfully. And people make such productions out of this, you know? It's amazing. People take a simple recognition like that and suddenly, you know, create a big philosophy and a big cosmology and then make it a kind of, uh, you know, 
gradual path step to it, you know. But in fact, it's so near at hand, nearer than your breath. And when you really, really start to fall into that more and more and more, what comes over you is a kind of, kind of an irony, you know, you think, wow, it's just that, you know, it's like so simple, you know, you, you laugh at how simple it is and how complicated the mind wanted to make it. When I first would read these kinds of teachings when I was young, a young Dharma student, I was attracted to the picture of Ramana Maharshi. I was very attracted to the photograph, the classic photograph. And I thought, oh, let me see what this guy says. So I got hold of some books from long ago. And I would read them and I was like, I I don't get this. I don't get this at all. And the reason I didn't get it, it was too simple at that time for my complicated mind. I couldn't see it. You know, I couldn't, it was right there, but I couldn't see it yet. And I had to, my mind had to get worn down through conceptualization and practice and striving and goal-oriented ideas and beliefs and all of that stuff. All of that, my mind was churning and was a seeker, you know, and a seeker that wanted to get something. And this was so simple that I couldn't, I just overlooked it like a diamond hidden in a warehouse of other shiny rocks. But with time, that diamond of bright and simple awareness begins to outshine all the detritus around it. This has been In the Deep. If you'd like to know more about my work, book a private session by phone or Skype, or make a tax-deductible donation in support of these podcasts, which would really help, as it takes quite a lot of time and expense to produce them every week, please visit katherineingram.com. Till next time.